Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Bald Move Prestige. We have got one of the most prestigious films of all time, widely considered to be one of the best films ever. It's 1984's American period biographical film about the fictionalized rivalry between composers Mozart and Soleri uh, in the country of Vienna during the 18th century. It's directed by Milos Foreman, or maybe Milos, uh, who also is director of One Flew Over to Cuckoo's Nest. Hair, People vs. Larry Flint, Man on the Moon, uh, is written by Peter Schaefer, uh, based on the, a play that he also had written. Um, Peter Schaefer is a great English playwright. Unfortunately, I don't know his reputation beyond this film. But if you are big in the theater, he had five of his plays adapted to film, including Five Finger Exercise, The Royal Hunt of the Sun, The Public Eye, which is adapted into 1972's Follow Me, Equus, and this film. Amadeus. It stars F. Murray Abraham, who is famous from, of course, all the president's men, men, rather, Scarface, Last Action Hero, Star Trek Insurrection, and most recently, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Then we have Tom Hulse, or maybe Hulse, uh, who was Pinto in Animal House. He's also the voice of Quasimodo and Hunchback in Notre Dame. Given like a kind of a young Robert Downey Jr. like performance in this film, I thought. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Barrage, uh, Simon Callow, who you might recognize as a Gen Xer, as the Ace Ventura chief ambassador consulate from the African country. Uh, not the Monopoly guy, but the other one. Okay, uh, sure. <laughs> Roy Dotris, Dotris, uh-huh. uh, film, theater, and radio legend. Also, uh, Bald Move fans might know him as the a Song of Ice and Fire narrator of the audiobooks. Jeffrey Jones, the principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, playing the Austrian emperor. And Cynthia Nixon, very young Cynthia Nixon playing a servant spy girl. Uh, like I said, I, I saw this movie a long time ago and I didn't get it. And then I kept on hearing it mentioned for certain scenes of it. And I watched it like probably five times over the years. It's probably my fifth or sixth time. And I keep on enjoying it more and more. Um, this is your first time seeing it, Jim. What do you think? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought it was good, but I don't understand all the acclaim. Like, calling this one of the best films ever made is kind of crazy to me. Although I will say, this movie looks a lot better than a lot of movies of that era. Uh, If you had told me that this movie was made in the early to mid-90s, I probably would have said, okay, that makes sense, you know. Um, so it's got a lot of, like technical stuff going on like costuming and makeup and sets and things that are really impressive um it's just i i wasn't blown away by the story i felt the characters plight and the characters uh you know what what they were trying to go for there but it didn't really like knock me over like some movies i've seen and perhaps that's what people like about it i don't know it's it's i wouldn't say subtle but it's a that's a pretty so. like you know for for a story that's dealing in obsession with a, a pretty crazy character the, the the fictional character of mozart here is is wild um it, it still feels pretty grounded for for something like that i don't mm. know yeah it, i liked it it just didn't blow me away i don't so like it's 
It's the first time you've ever seen it. Um, I know you watched the original theatrical release and not the director's cut that has like 15 minutes extra, which I don't know if that does something crazy to the pacing um, or, yeah. or whatnot to it. Uh, but I, there's a lot for me to recommend this film because there's a lot of like themes I think are kind of cool. Like I really like, um, I don't, I'm not very big appreciator of classical music or opera, things like that oh, me either. Um, I, I think that one of the reasons this probably, this is probably like super Oscar bait because a lot of those people kind of like a lot of people that are voting on the Oscars probably see themselves as the court composer, if not the emperor yeah. of Austria themselves. Very cultured, and, high society types. Yeah. And, and, and they're also like probably aware of the fact that it's critiquing them that as well. Like the fact that like, you know, we see opera and classical music as like the height of culture, right? At least that's like a lot of people try to attribute it, but like that's an ahistorical view. Like this was just popular music. And these were the, these were the movies of their times. Like you had, you know, the Godfather and you had like your big serious operas, but you also had your, you know, fucking, um, uh, 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 Eddie Murphy movies. You had your your Animal House, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And this kind of like depuffs that because it just makes it clear that like this stuff was, you know, not something that people saw as like, um, you know, above reproach. It was just a genre of, of, and I I really like that. And and I also think that um, it's always hard for me to, like I've always, it's always been hard for me to visualize like, you know, geniuses, you know, like Mozart as a young child and like the way they visualize, you know, Solari's appreciation of the music, how he's talking about the stuff and they have the music kind of, un, you know, un, underlining what he's talking about kind of helped me understand like, okay, why is this stuff seen as brilliant if I don't understand it myself? Mm-hmm. Um, One of the other things and I don't know, watching no, this movie that I'm, I'm thinking about as far as music goes, um, when I'm looking at it is just the rigid structures in which they're making music. You know, it's like, well, right. you've got this emperor that is is sort of, you know, not not exactly enslaved, but also not quite employed you. It's a weird relationship there. And you only make the music they allow you to make. Um, mm-hmm. And we are. I imagine for a lot of kids nowadays, that is so foreign to them, a foreign of a concept that someone couldn't just sit down at a computer and make whatever the fuck music they wanted to make and publish right. it across the internet for potentially millions or billions of people to download and listen to. Mm-hmm. It, it, those, But that is only a recent change, right? Like for the longest time, it's okay. It's no longer the courts you have to go to. It's no longer the emperor you have to impress you gotta impress some record executive who's gonna release your shit on vinyl or eight track or whatever uh, right. and, and it was you know the thing that strikes me when I think about this is how impossible it was to even make music um if if you didn't have the blessing of of somebody with money right because to put on an opera would cost far more than a common person had right and and if you yeah. Where Mozart and you wanted to write an opera that the emperor didn't approve of, too fucking bad. You're not going to have anybody uh-huh. to put it on, and you can't rent out an auditorium yourself. You know, it's it's right. wild how that democratization has actually only recently changed to the point where we're at now. Yeah, and it's also interesting to, to your point that like Soleri, who's born you know in a pretty in a uh, impoverished setting, 
um like the idea that anyone could be a musician if they wanted to like you know what 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 it wasn't the limits of your talents but like if you were born to you know a plowman you weren't going to write opera but solari had the miracle that his father got you know (laughs) died had a heart attack and apparently there's some insurance or like he was taken in as an orphan and then his (laughs) music but there's like all these improbable set uh, a set of events that i i really like that uh i really liked it like there's a ton of meta criticism of the film itself like i think it's funny that in a film that's three hours long it makes internal criticism has a character voice like ah this stuff is kind of too long like you can't really hold people's attention for four hours what are you trying to do here yeah yeah and like mozart's complaining about how at this time they're there's like slavishly tied to these the the classical stuff for them which was like greek and roman plays shakespeare Mm -hmm. the gods uh, right yeah, the gods, the legends, and yet this is a stuffy kind of period piece about 18th century gods and legends within the... I, I thought that stuff yeah. is kind of clever, too. Um, but at its core, and this is something I don't think I've ever seen before, this is like a Heart of Darkness revenge tale, like like something Edgar Allan Poe. This is like mm-hmm. the Pit and the Pendulum, the Cask of Amantillo, uh, the... the Moby uh, Dick the, 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 like, sort of thing. Yeah, where this uh, this obsession and this jealousy and this like toxic relationship that Solari, Mozart's rival, uh, has in his head. Uh, there's this toxic relationship he has with God and and this this weird worship thing he's got going on. Um, I it's like I was we were talking about in the precast. It's kind of like uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, except for the guy getting revenge is a complete just villain for completely petty reasons. But his revenge over this man is nevertheless absolute. And the only thing that keeps him from like the only thing that keeps revenge from being absolute is that it's like it's even a worse sticking in this guy's craw. Everything he does to bring him down mm-hmm. and deny Mozart's greatness just twists the knife in his gut. Even in the end where he plans on having Mozart write his own requiem for him to steal like, even if that had succeeded, it's can you imagine Solari living with himself the rest of his 35 years on life, knowing that his best work, the thing that w- people worship him for was yeah. something that this guy, this, 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 what does he call him? This uh, vulgar child wrote. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's great. It's this, this complete black tale of this, this worst, most malicious revenge. And the way F. Murray Abraham performs it is just it's just great it like it calls for scenery chewing and that's what he does mm-hmm. and and I, and it, it's it's just fantastic his his utter shititude in this movie is just great yeah it never feels like somebody who wouldn't exist in real life though like i could totally see yeah somebody getting this far down in a hole and just becoming that character it's not a cartoon it's it's a a portrayal that i can understand yeah, you get like like imagine being the the sec imagine being the second best in the world at something, mm-hmm. and you would undisputably be known as the best if it weren't. I mean, as a as an Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning fan, I know <laughs> intimately what this feeling feels like. <laughs> like <laughs> we should we should have the reputation of the greatest of all time, except for these these other guys. Um, and I, that's something really relatable, but it goes. It 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 goes really dark places in this movie, um, and I just think that like yeah, like Mozart as this rock star, um, and just watching him kind of careen through the social life and the court life of of Austria, 
Um, the way the cinematography is set up to where like Jeffrey Jones, who came up in our, uh, <laughs> um, our breakfast club, uh, podcast, mm-hmm. uh, uh, as well recently, the way they make him up, it looks like he stepped out of one of those paintings you see in like museums. Yeah. Like he should be sitting on a horse with a, a saber at his side. Right. And like he intentionally sometimes strikes poses where he kind of like, you know, holds his chest and like uh, 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 poses against where I'm I'm almost certainly some of that stuff is inspired directly from the art. And just like Mm -hmm. it, it feels even though it's like, um, you know, this this it feels it looks alien. And and when I was uh, doing my readings behind this, I was looking at because I, you know, it's kind of like I'd never really gone through and sorted through the fact and the fiction of this movie and like what so much is based on. But. I was reading like contemporary reviews of Mozart pieces and there's this bizarre detail about like in the marriage of Figaro that I guess these rivalries were so intense and there was this so much crazy like marketing and competition between the theaters that on opening night like Mozart's rivals or maybe guys from the theaters across the street would sit would pay for people to sit in the balconies and boo <laughs> to counteract the applause it was getting. Jesus. Uh, and like these, this review of this guy who's writing this like marriage of Figaro review. And he's clearly like, you know, like it's just so contemporary to him talking about the themes and imageries and the big idea and his genius. And, and it was thwarted by the, the lungs of the page shield. And I'm like, this feels like I'm reading, uh, somebody writing about a DC film and he's accusing Marvel fans of shilling on Reddit and saying that it sucks. Like uh, it feels so fucking contemporary. These bombing, people. Yeah. Yeah, like all like all this stuff. And like, this is the you know, the, you just never think that like classical culture was any better than or, or worse or anything. There are culture. You could probably go back to like ancient fucking Egypt uh, and, you know, f- fifth century BCE China. And it would still be the same shit. Yeah. Like, it's just I think that's just amazing. And they do that so well, showing like like all the like, you know, and this is I what's the line between fantasy and reality? I don't know. But I like that this felt like. A culture that was very alien, but I could identify with all the rivalries and the politics and the buffoonery. It's I just I just love it. Yeah, especially the buffoonery. They make a real character out of Mozart. He is like you said, the Salieri views him as just this child who is vulgar and. Uh, doesn't deserve the thing, the the praise he's getting. Well, does deserve it because he's a great composer, but also that man, that person shouldn't be given this talent um, because he is vulgar. Uh, And, and that character made me feel a little bit more grounded in the story because it does feel just like a human being, you know, like so many of these movies and stories that I see that are from another time from centuries ago, everyone feels like a character. It's there's nothing to relate to about these characters in the modern world. And I found through Mozart, something that's like, well, okay, I can see that these are people, you know, everybody has a personality and Mozart's is just a little different. He's mm-hmm. more boisterous. He's over the top. He's, he enjoys he's a David fart Joey. joke. He's, he's Freddie Mercury. Sure. Yeah. Uh, if, if Freddie Mercury were the alive in the seven, late 1700s. Yeah. Uh-huh. He'd probably be a lot like Mozart. Uh, yeah, I, I just found myself really liking that character, and you nailed it when you said he has Robert Downey Jr. energy. I was actually thinking exactly that when I was watching this movie. It's like, man, he almost kind of looks like Robert Downey Jr. too, a, a very mm-hmm. young 
Robert Downey yeah, Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at certain times, but yeah, I, I really like that character. Even though I'm, I, I'm not sure how accurate it is to Mozart. And it's and it show like um, the way that he portrays it is like Mozart is this like awkward guy, but he's also so talented and so like himself. It's kind of like a, a Truman Capote kind of thing where it's like sure. most of the people are are like in the conversation is going to be enthralled with the, what this guy's saying. He's got this weird laugh. Yeah. And he's got this weird inte- intellectual wordplay because he can effortlessly reverse things and do all this stuff. And there's always one motherfucker that's like. I should be the one that's at the center of this party. And instead, and and like that's, that's Solari through the whole thing and how everything he always is like, he's such a great character because they show in the first five minutes, like the seeds of what is going to become when he's talking about, like as a boy, how pious he was about Lord, make me a great composer. Let me be remembered forever. And in return, I'll give you my chastity and I'll give you my fortune, my fame and my deepest humility. Mm -hmm. And that shows that this guy he thinks the world of himself, but he just always is self full of self deprecation and all that. And he meets Mozart who is not self deprecating at all and is better than him. And like every, like, like every time he, he comes up with him, he meets him. He comes up with some excuse to hate him. Like, well, cause he, you know, he was chasing ass and grabbing ass and he missed his own concert or this was a fluke. And then when I love the way, um, Abraham performs his like when his his wife brings him this portfolio of shit and he's looking through and he can't believe how good this stuff is. And she mentions that it's that's just his first draft. Like he never recopies anything, never throws stuff away. Just just how angry it made him. Yeah, that this is his this is just a shit that comes out of his head fully formed. Like the depth of the, the talent gap was just laid bare. And it's it's great. The fact he loves Mozart's music and respects its genius so much and he hates the man that it's coming from and why and why it can't be him uh he turns into like an antichrist in this movie yeah i i love it's that idea that like mozart just this stuff pours out of him right um mm-hmm. and it's fully formed it's ready to go he can he can hear it and that's one of the things i love about this movie is I talked about how impossible it was to perform music without a vast infrastructure to support you. And, and throughout the movie, they keep showing these guys playing the music in their head, right? They'll look at a, at a sheet music, a piece of sheet music, and they will hear it. The score will kick in and you will you will start to hear the music as if they are looking at the page, interpreting what that would sound like. They, they do a lot of good stuff with that. Um, but by the end of this movie you you they do a lot of things to show you mozart's genius um one of them is salieri appreciating it and then by the end Mm -hmm. of the movie salieri essentially becomes the pupil of mozart it's it's really weird because he's there dictating what is spilling out of mozart at the end of this movie and you know he can't keep up with mozart um when he's writing it down he doesn't understand why Mozart's doing some of the things musically that he's doing. And Mozart has to explain it to him and, and go, well, yeah. of course, this makes sense because blah, 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 blah. And, and by the end of that scene, he has become a pupil of Mozart, which I thought was pretty delicious. No, that's an insane scene. And there's so many. That's the thing is like there's like five or six scenes in this movie that I think are just amazing. Like... Mm-hmm. um. 
like the, 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 the really do something impressive. Like um, I, I, I got a whole bunch to talk about, but there's one in particular that, uh, you know, we talk about these operas being like the, the movies of their time. And there's one where these, this ghost comes bursting out of a wall and like, there's yeah. this big, like, you know, like Darth Vader type figure lit from a spotlight in the back. And as it steps down the platform, each step to get closer and closer to main characters, there's this bass, this bass drums like boom, boom. Yeah. And it like with a good sound system, you realize like this is the special effects of their day. Mm-hmm. And like if you've only seen like a, or heard a Mozart opera performed just like in a concert hall, you're you're only getting it'd be like listening to Star Wars soundtrack with having no idea what Star Wars is about hearing the Imperial March without knowing who Darth Vader is. Yeah. And it's like that thing that kind of like every time I see this movie, I always think like, maybe I should be an opera guy, you know, like I kind of yeah, like show tunes and not, but like, nah, I just, cause the, <laughs> like it's symphonies, but it's like, the thing is, it's like, I, it's all in a foreign language. And it's like, if I, I don't know, maybe if I get real time subtitles, cause that's one of the brilliant yeah, things yeah. they do, the German operas and some of the others, they just translate into English. So mm-hmm. like, you know, they start talking in Latin or Italian, but like during key point, uh, they just trans, they just, they shift into English. So you can kind of understand what's going on in the opera, but, but yeah, it's like stuff like this. That's so kind of next level, um, where he's having like, you know, demons flying in on cables yeah. and wrecking the, the set. Like that's like, uh, you know, um, that that's a big Marvel movie. Like that would just blow people away. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where in a, one of the vaudeville and the comedies, <laughs> this this mechanic, this fake horse eats a bale of hay and shits out sausage that they then throw to the audience. Uh-huh. Which I'm like, who? I would love to go to a live performance and they that I can maybe <laughs> grab sausage from somebody. Like fuck your t-shirt cannon. I want a sausage cannon. Yeah. Uh, I, I just I just there's some of these big, crazy ideas and like glimpses into these these, these past entertainment. And I like mm-hmm. I said, that's why I think that really got the um, the, uh, the 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 Academy all excited, because this is also part. This is the very history. This is the prehistory of cinema that they're talking about here. Um And these guys were just like these virtuos because, you know, he's he's doing religious music. He's doing operas. He's doing uh, concerts. He's doing uh, symphonies like he could see. He had mastery of all these different art forms at the time. It's kind of wild. I guess it's the same as like you see like an, you know, like rapper, singer, songwriter, uh, musician, uh, actor, kind of like, you know, that kind of multiversal talent. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, just just creating connecting him directly to like the megawatt stars of our time and that. And yeah. the way they dress and like to try and different wigs and all that stuff. I, I thought it was really great. Yeah. His pink wig. That's that pretty pink good. Wig, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. The other thing I like about. Their portrayal of Mozart is the transformation that he goes through um, over the course of this movie, because he is that vulgar child at the beginning of it. You know, he's skirt chasing, literally skirt chasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie, he is laughing at inappropriate times with his maniacal laugh. He's full of this childlike <laughs> exuberance, this energy. Can you give your best Mozart laugh? <laughs> I know it's bad. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. 
Uh, oh, 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 I can't get that high. <laughs> I, I, I'm yeah, more of a baritone. Combine me and Jim's laugh. Com- combine me and Jim's laugh, and yeah. it's it's something approximately his his annoying ass laugh. But that's him at the start of this movie. At the end of this movie, he has just been completely changed. That 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 exuberant childlike energy is gone. Uh, it's replaced by uh some sort of dark energy that's driving him a haunting of his uh dead father and also Salieri as this apparitional figure um who who I think is supposed to represent actually his dead father like at yeah, some point I think is... he convinces Mozart that his dead father is visiting him telling him he has to write this funeral mass for him yeah it's it's a it's a crazy psychological ploy uh, that completely works. Yeah, like his plan works the flawlessly. It, it worked on Mozart. It didn't work on me, though. That's that's one of the things I find it hard to believe. But I look, I'm not a superstitious or very religious guy. I think to live back, like 300 years ago before the, right. the age of enlightenment exactly kicked in before yeah. electricity and light bulbs and shit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, that's the thing. Like I I had a hard time putting myself into that position where you could get so worked up by somebody that you believed literally that your dead father was coming back to tell you to write a song uh or you know a a mass whatever that is um mm-hmm. yeah but it, the the character is so fundamentally changed by the end of it um he's he's driven by an entirely different set of uh motivations and i thought right. the way that holse or holsey i don't know how to say it um that actor's uh portrayal of it the uh, yeah, way yeah, yeah. he mozart changes over the course of this movie was pretty impressive to the point where both that guy and f murray abraham were nominated for the oscar um for the best performance is that the first time that's ever happened or very few times it's the most recent actually yeah um but f murray abraham won it i don't know which i like better frankly f yeah they're both so good Murray Abraham's is a big performance. It's the bigger, bigger, showier performance. Although that's saying a lot because the, this Mozart's wild. Yeah, it's flamboyant as fuck. Like mm-hmm. it's not restrained. But you're right. There's something in that uh, dark father energy that gets transferred, and that final like scene where clearly Mozart's the prime lead play in that uh, you know deathbed dictation of his own requiem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is like, it's just a fantastic scene. Um, and maybe like I said, cause we're, we've kind of sort of gotten into spoiler territory. Um, but like, if you've oh, never yeah. seen this film, it is considered widely considered one of the best films of all time. Um, and it is like, it's very entertaining. And, and like the, 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 I, so I saw this movie, I saw this movie the first time when I was a kid. I was homesick, and my mom just happened to put. She had rented it from the store, and I guess this is what she did when we were at school. She watched movies, but she had rented it, and I was sick on the couch and kind of delirious with fever. And I watched this thing, and the thing that really stuck out of my my mind was like him being, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of here if you don't want spoilers. If you don't know anything about Mozart. <laughs> Uh, watch the film. But the thing that really stuck out in my mind was him getting dumped in this mass unmarked grave at the end. I remember that yeah. like searing into my like his like corpse getting dumped and then spraying the lie over and that that was it. Mm-hmm. I was thinking like, what a fucking this is a this is what kind of ending is this? You know, 
And then when I was working my way through the AFI, I got to it and this was in my early 20s and I watched it and I'm like, this is a I don't get this, man. Like there is like I Mozart seemed like a wild man. Like, you, you know, uh, F. Murray Abraham is in this kind of like really stagey old man makeup, ranting and raving and chewing the scenery. I'm like, this is like I didn't think much of it. And then in like early 30s, I started seeing on this Reddit, like the movie threads and true film and all these other things I used to hang out on. Like this scenes of this would keep coming up. It's like, you know, Mozart stunts on his arch rival Soleri. Like you watch a man be dominated without even trying. This is the worst humiliation a person can endure. And I watched these just scenes out of like context of like, you know, like, you know, Mozart just like I said, stunting on Soleri. Salieri and I'm like god this does look really interesting and then with that context I started watching the entire movie and I just started noticing just like man these performances like and the situations like it takes like an hour to get into the scene where you know um Salieri writes this march to show off for the emperor for Mozart being introduced in the court and then five minutes later, Mozart is just 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 humiliating him without even trying, like showing him mm-hmm. up as kind of like this this inferior talent. And like that happens again and again. And, and a lot of times Soleri is the blame. Like these situations would never have happened had it not been for Soleri, like trying to impose himself in a situation. Then he ends up getting humiliated secondhand. And like that's the stuff that I think still make it for me. It's like. Like what it would be like to be Soleri and hate this guy so much and you try to defeat him. And by the time you do, you can't even enjoy it. It's like it's yeah. it's the thing that's like it's that's why it's so Edgar Allan Poe like this guy's just wasting away in a mental institution, ranting and raving about he killed the great Mozart and he's the patron saint of all mediocrities when he really was just a very ta- like there's this thing going in for the second and third act where Soleri has essentially ruined Mozart in terms of bankrupted him, making him persona non grata on the court. And he's enjoying the height of his success. He's wrote this banger of an Ark of the Covenant uh, opera and the fucking emperor gives him an award for it and everything like he's getting the adulation. He's playing to a packed house. Mozart can't even sell tickets to his theater. And all that has to all that gets ruined by Mozart coming down and saying like two noncommittal sentences about, Mm -hmm. you know, damning his play with faint praise. All you can say about it is Salieri. So what can yeah. you say of Salieri? And I don't know. There's like this, like there's, there's a scene and like in his eyes wide shut. <laughs> I don't do one. Cause like, what else do we do? Um, Cause I just really want to talk about these, these, these scenes that I like, uh, but I also kind of want to talk about the characters and I feel like, okay. Yeah. We talked about Salieri and Mozart, but real quick, I want to say, I don't know how factually accurate this is. And I know they've taken large liberties in some areas of the story. For instance, Salieri being some kind of chaste, uh, non-sexual man is completely false. He was married. He had eight fucking kids. Come on. (laughs) Right. So Uh like uh that is just a complete fabrication. I, I assume that everything I'm seeing here has basically no, uh, foundation of reality so it's it's kind of like henry the eighth though it's like there's a lot of basic details but when you see it in like five different movies and three different shakespeare adaptations like what's real what's not like yeah i, yeah. I guess like the ba- some of the basics of the plot like you know mozart being a genius of course him coming to vienna mm-hmm. who his sponsors were the fact that Soleri, as an italian composer did try to block 
some of the German influences and did in- intentionally try to suppress his like early and thwart some of his early works. Um, but by the time Mozart was in his late twenties, early thirties, I guess they were considered to be friends. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess the other thing is, according to Amadeus's widow, everything about the Requiem is true. Like this, this yeah. mysterious man came to, uh, a uh, uh, sponsor this requiem that he wanted to write and Mozart in his late stage kind of like I don't know um, his his what kind of sickness he had but his drinking and all that like he's he led he started to believe that he was writing his own funeral music and it kind of did like fuck with his mind and also that like Soleri yeah. did die in a mental institution because he had gone senile um mm-hmm. They take like the bare facts and, you know, that Amadeus, that the uh, Mozart died kind of penniless. Um, but there's also some interesting like mistranslations like um, they talked about uh, contemporaneously that Mozart was buried in a common grave, which a lot of people later assumed like a big pit like you see oh. in, in the movie. And what that meant is like a common grave as opposed to an aristocrat's grave, yeah, like a yeah. common grave you could recycle every 10 years aristocrat you had to leave him buried where they're at so he was kid you know he had just like a middle class kind of funeral sure um and and also he was well respected in his time like mozart wasn't like you know like soleri didn't ruin his appreciation everyone loved this shit and when he died there was tons of Mm -hmm. like well-attended memorial concerts and all that but they just sex up the like the, the the little bit of early details and turn it into just this gothic thing that i think is um i mean yeah i guess it would have been better if it's a true story but shit, oh, stuff that yeah, happened 300 years ago. It, yeah, it's tough to say, A, what even did happen, and B, well, you're making fiction. You know, you're, you're making a movie. If you want a documentary on this, go watch a documentary. Right, right, right. Um, we talked a lot about Soleri. Mozart, I like how they introduce him, because you got his laugh, his grab-assing, the fact that he finds a way to moon his sponsor while he's getting an ovation from an audience uh you know like how he's outspoken like you know these these court um composers are talking about how italian's the language of opera and you know why is it it's, oh, it's because love and mozart's like ah you guys got nothing about love look at your <laughs> operas we got these fat men and women screaming at each other it's nothing um and mm-hmm. how like arrogant and impatient he is but like at first it seemed very childish, but then at the end of the movie, that's one thing I, I got from that final scene of uh, Mozart can, you know, dictating to Soleri is like, he just was that much far ahead of the time. Yeah. You know, he's like playing Johnny be good to a bunch of fifties kids. And they're just like, it's just ahead of the curve, you know? And he, he was impatient with people because people couldn't keep up. And, you know, people were saying his stuff was long and boring. And he's like, no, it's like, you got all, and, I just, I just thought that was the, the way that he played that very similar to Robert Downey Jr. As any of the other precocious guys he's played uh, or like, like Tony Stark, where he's like kind of amused slash pissed off at everything that's going around him. Yeah. Um, every time they would say, Oh, it has too many notes. I'd be like, I would just hear, you know, commentators on the radio and television talking about heavy metal in the nineties and right. the eighties be like, it's just too damn loud. Well, what does that mean? Yeah, you got like a nine minute bass solo on like a Metallica track. It's like, is do you really need that? It's like, well, I don't know. I'm glad I, I kind of did when I was 14. Yeah. And if you don't need it, don't listen to it. It's not like there isn't, uh, you know, 10 other composers out there doing 
other work. Right. Um, and like, I really like how like Mozart relied on the patronage of this, uh, emperor of Austria, um, you know, played by the principal from, from, uh, Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. And like, that was a double edged sword. Because he, the king has enough of kind of like that vulgar sensibility in him that he really likes Mozart stuff. It's influenced by kind of the common people and some of the more colorful stuff and it's less stuffy. Um, and there's just some great scenes where like, you know, the king's ministers try to enforce these rules that he's written in the opera for some God, God knows why that you can't you can't have ballet in the opera. And they have the <laughs> yeah. scene where like Mozart to fuck him leaves he ta- he says oh yeah i'll take the opera Love out this. but he leaves the part where they're just dancing in silence and the, they're screening this yeah. for the king and the king's like look it's like what what the <laughs> hell is this and he's like well you know you know you banned b- ballet and the king's like well this is stupid for bring the music back in i want to see how it goes yeah. that like helps him but also the king is a bit of a simpleton he because of the kind of uh his love for the buffoonery and the the vulgar when Mozart does these four hour long kind of like navel gazing operas, the king gets bored and starts yawning through it, which torpedoes him. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that that like so much of his success kind of rested in the fall and just how fickle the king was uh, like one man's taste literally yeah. set the pop culture. And it, I, I guess that's another commentary that like, you know, it's, it's like the pay for play, like maybe there's two or three executives in all North America that 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 shaped an entire generation's musical taste but like how crazy that is compared to like what you were saying you can do with like fruity loops and a midi synthesizer in your basement nowadays yeah i guess this was around the time of the french revolution right i think yeah because they're talking about his his cousin right antoinette yeah Yeah, every time uh, they've mentioned uh antoinette i was like oh shit (laughs) there's some dark stuff about to happen there uh yeah, we had to ban this opera because they played it in France and whew, man, my my uh, my niece is getting scared over there. <laughs> yeah, the marriage of Figaro. I I don't know anything about the time um, and, and the music at the time and whether that was mm-hmm. actually a band uh, play that you couldn't do. I I mm-hmm. don't know. I assume that stuff is mostly historically accurate when you get to the actual music um, and the oh, timing yeah, of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, like I said, the, the, the scenes, I think the thing that makes this movie are like a quartet of truly great scenes. We've talked mm-hmm. about a lot of them, but I want to kind of in detail. The first time you're introduced to Mozart, where Solari's at court and he knows he's going to be here. It's his first kind of performance since he was a young man. And he's like scrutinizing all these serious, well-dressed, scholarly young men. And, you know, uh, he's trying to find them. And then he finally hears this kind of like donkey bray laugh and he finds Mozart playing grab ass with his mistress, misses his own concert um, and like humiliates his patron. And so Larry just cannot fucking believe that like this guy, like it's it's the start of the the personal offense, because I think so Larry wanted to meet Mozart. It's kind of like, oh, this is a young man and he's 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 done some astonishing things and. You know, maybe he and he and I could be great together or something like that, or I could be his protege or he could be my protege or something. And um, then there's this great scene of Solari and his like he's writing down his march that he's going to play to kind of show up Mozart. And he's thanking God, you know, like, thank you, Lord, for this this divine inspiration. And he's so falsely modest about it. And then Mozart comes in and he's like, oh, this is kind of. 
it's kind of clunky. It doesn't really work. Let me Mozart it up. And he just starts kind of like Jimi Hendrixing on this guy's, you know, it's like, hey, we like the the, the national anthem. But when when Jimi Hendrix is playing it, just better. OK, uh, I just love that. And then like afterwards, he's like just hates God. It's yeah. like, yeah, you gave me secondhand inspiration. This is bullshit. I that that is one of the great scenes where he's just like, oh, this doesn't really work, does it? What if we do this? No, no. What? It's just I don't know. And the fact that he memorized the whole fucking thing just by looking at it once. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and hearing parts. Yeah. Like, I guess that's true about Mozart, that he is just kind of like this musical prodigy from a very young age. And the, like some of the acrobatic stuff he could do, like play behind his back. Like upside mm-hmm. down, blindfolded, is fairly well attested to, and just the way the movie brought that stuff, I thought was really great. There are a couple um, of of really good scenes because I do like the scene where he's trying to explain it's the the you know marriage of Figaro stuff where he's brought before the emperor and he's trying to explain like what this is about and it's not about you know the class struggle that you think it's about it's it's about love it's about you know all these things. When that scene first starts, it's after he's gone and had this wild um, party with the, the masks and everything. And they're playing like musical chairs essentially mm-hmm. at this party. When he steps into this room, uh, the emperor says, have a seat and everyone sits down and he's looking around the room. He can't find a seat, <laughs> which I thought was really cool given that scene before it where, you know, when you didn't find a seat, you had to pay a penalty. Right. And right, the, right. the person in charge of the, the proceedings got to assign you the penalty. And so now I'm thinking, oh, shit, he didn't find a seat. What's his penalty for writing this play, this unapproved mm-hmm, play? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was just a nice touch in that scene. Yeah. It also hammers home like. Uh, Mozart's predilection to not take anything serious like you know he's got an audience for the king and he's looking for this to be the game yeah yeah. Uh, but that costume party also holy shit Mm -hmm. like I don't know how opulent this stuff got but like they have living statues like people that are painted like statues holding like candelabras and things like that it's like this yeah um, and why he brought his father here I thought was interesting because it's like almost he couldn't afford it. He can't afford to do this much partying. He right. falsely assumes this is what his father wants to see. Like this felt very much like um, those scenes in like uh, walk the line where John Johnny Cash is trying to ex- show off his expensive for tractor to his dad that he never uses. Like he's hmm. weirdly provoking the fight, you know, like, oh, you think I'm a reckless spendthrift boy who doesn't take anything serious let me show you how it's really like in vienna father where we're going his eyes wide shut and man there's this scene where um they're like his wife has to pay a penalty by showing bearing her legs to the audience and mozart watches his father who's wearing this crazy like frowny face smiley face double-headed janice get up and they first he sees the back of his father's head which is this mask of like horror and then his father turns around to show him the happy face. And then a second later, a beat later with the music, he takes it off and you see his real father, Roy Dotris, scowling at him. Yeah. Like, I just think some of that stuff is just really fucking brilliant just from a, mm-hmm. a visual storytelling. And the great that so his father and he's seen you know, it. They got the stuff that's like. Out front and slapping in the face like, you know, he's he's wanting his father to penalize him. He's drunk. He's like, you know, you got should punish me, father. And. Then some guy finally tells him his punishment is he has to compose as these various great composers. 
Yeah. And so Larry from the audience behind a mask suggests himself because he just can't fucking help it. Mm-hmm. And what Mozart does, which is play Solarian kind of like this Frankenstein clumsy oaf way. Oh, God, it's so. And, and, and uh, Murray's face. <laughs> yeah. With the fart. Right. He the lifts his, fart. his petticoat or whatever the fuck it is and rips a giant fart. I mean, that's just like riveting 15 minutes of film. And then yeah. we've we've talked all around this, uh, the Requiem he dictates on a fee, on a uh, in a fever dream on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. Um, God, like I that's I've often wondered that it's like. You know, how do you how do you write an orchestra? You've got like 50 people playing 30 different instruments and they're all doing something slightly different. And like the way he's just talking about yeah. how he's just doing this stuff as layers and how this supports that. And this is doing that. And don't you see this is what's coming in? Like it just did a really great job of showing his genius and and Solari. Like also, that's the other thing is Solari is cynically. As he's appearing to be his friend and helping him, he's really withdrawing the very last bit of his genius mm-hmm. to steal. And his, he, he wants to steal it for himself. That's what he's wanting to do. Um, I just and the fact that Mozart's like, you know, saying, oh, you're my only friend. And I used to think you hated me, but I was wrong this whole time. And how that's still twisting. Yeah, oh, my God. Apologizing to him the whole time. It's like I said, it's so Edgar Allan Poe. It's so dark and fucking twisted. Uh, I, I I love it. I this I've never seen a revenge film like this that ends this way. And it's like it's abrupt. Like literally yeah. as soon as he gets it, Mozart dies, he's dumped in a mass grave and so Larry's off at the madhouse not getting absolution from the priests and it's that's the movie. All right, let's take another quick break. We'll be right back. When I first went into this movie, I it starts, you know, with a pretty standard title cards and, and credits and stuff. And I see, okay, it's it's musical arrangements and things. And I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. What if you're the guy who's tasked with writing the score for a film about Mozart? <laughs> like, that's a tall fucking order. Like, And then I was thinking, hmm. I mean, you could either try and write the best music that's ever been written. Or you could just go lift a bunch of Mozart tracks, which is apparently exactly <laughs> what they did. Yeah, what the fuck are you going to do? Uh, right, right. All of this music, and if you look at the soundtrack, it's like 95% Mozart. There's like a, a token Salieri thrown in there occasionally. Mm-hmm. But all the music in this film, as best I can tell, is, you know, old concertos and operas and, and shit that Mozart wrote. Yeah. Yeah, and it sounds pretty amazing. Uh, like, but it, it was all like it's it's like performed um, um by a modern orchestra. You know, it, it oh, was yeah. it was all like re- recorded specifically for this movie. They didn't just sure like take pre-recorded stuff and and insert it. Especially since a lot of it is like breakdowns and isolations. Like it's not it's like this uh, um, opera, but it's only like the the bass drum section of it or it's only the woodwinds sure. from this other because Solari is trying to, you know, illustrate a point or something. Um, I guess the, the yeah, it sounds amazing person who did the music um, for this film was very much a stickler for like we want to change none of the work except for like very minor places. There were like maybe two tracks that. I call them tracks. I don't know that Mozart would approve of that, but whatever. 
there there are like two tracks that they change a little bit of um when they're doing a lot of improvisation in the movie but mm-hmm. other than that the the music is note for note uh mozart stuff you know i've i've just heard recently that that's one of the um the paradoxes of the classical style now is it's such a museum piece that like at yeah. the time contemporary artists like if mozart put on a concert they would be expected that the person on the uh uh harpsichord or the piano whatever the fuck they call it piano fortissimo or whatever uh, that they would like imp- like people are supposed to improvise like the leads were supposed to improvise certain bits like it's kind of like a jazz performance huh. like okay. you don't expect to hear the album version yeah. and like nowadays uh, because people are such sticklers like they just play it by the sheet and there's no there's very little variation um, mm-hmm. and it's not like it's like imagine um, if a cover of something literally sounded like some the exact same thing like nobody would hate it or I'm thinking about how many different ways I've seen the Nutcracker produced or you know, like different, like modern things. Whereas the older stuff that was their pop culture is very seen as very rigid and like, Oh, this is something that, you know, has to be played just as it's these museum pieces. Um, yeah. Whereas maybe if they got back to the jazz kind of improvisation, um, it would be a more thriving art form, but could be, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't have a very close relationship to this kind of music, Me this either. classical stuff. I've been to a couple of symphonies, like maybe three or four. I always enjoyed those. Like I, I really enjoy it. I, I get into the music. It is very powerful music, but like I wouldn't call myself a fan of the orchestra. No, it's something I do deliberately. Like if yeah. I go and I, uh, you know, have a very nice meal, like, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I go and I'm every, every year or so I go and have, you know, like, hey, spend 150 bucks at a nice restaurant, get a bottle of wine or whatever. Like, yeah. it's kind of that like, hey, it's so oh, they're playing whatever at the Connor Prairie. It's go out and lay out a blanket and listen, shut your eyes and listen to the music. It's not something you do like play spotify or listen to the radio right <laughs> no and surprisingly i've never been to like one of those star wars on the prairie things or whatever i haven't you how no. the hell did you never go to one of those i things? don't know man because it was a favorite pastime for a lot of people in our uh, congregation but hell yeah man yeah i just never went to one of them um even I though that's probably like the it. most likely symphony i would go to <laughs> yeah like uh i try to get to like uh the pop pop symphonies rolling through with the uh, Jameen Rawadi and he's going to play Game of Thrones. Fuck yeah, I'll be there. Or if there's going to be nice. a, a Johnny Williams night at the Pop uh, Symphony. Fuck yeah, I want to be there. I want to hear Superman and 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 Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, that's an embarrassing amount of the classical music I go. It's just essentially <laughs> pop pop music. I think the, I've been to one. The symphony people are slumming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> here's one thing, and I don't know if you'll be able to answer this for me. Uh, not being a huge fan of it yourself, but the conductor. Am I wrong to think that the conductor is probably the most useless job during the actual performance? Like, I can understand during rehearsals, right? You want to train these musicians to play the music properly. I get it. But when you're actually playing the thing, are the musicians actively looking at at the conductor thinking, he might swing his arm out a completely different way tonight and I'm going to have to go with it or I have never understood the role of the conductor in the actual performance of the piece. I've always understood it to be kind of like they're roughly the same as like a basketball coach. Only there's no timeouts they can teach. Like they're very <laughs> no important. Plays they can call. 
they're, like, they're very important. They're very important, but their work is over when they show up at the like their right. work was getting these people and like getting the fine tuning and like you're yeah. you know out of all these six violins, you're the one fucking up or you're not playing loud enough. And like they maybe do a little course correction, like if because they are they're like they got perfect ears supposedly, perfect pitch, and they but like yeah, I've heard it's kind of like you know all what they get paid for is the practice, and this is just kind sure. of like you know they get recognition by all the hard work they did as composers. They get to bow symphony conductors with, with everybody exactly. else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I don't want to like undervalue what they do. I think it's incredibly important in the, that type of music, but, but I but. could be, I could be wrong. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Like I've, I've kind of read and I've seen people say, Oh, it's this, it's that. And I've also seen people say, eh, but so yeah. Okay. It must be awful uh, to work by candlelight when you have to write things down. Like I can't imagine mm. being Mozart writing, writing feverishly into the night, two a.m. with or imagine fifteen you, candles burning around your <laughs> highly flammable sheet music that you've written for the last five hours. Well, well, now it's like as like I'm getting older and my close-up vision's going. Yeah. Like before the era of glass, like that's just a nightmare. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, I can't write anymore because I can't fucking see anything. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I thought that like a lot too. Like, man, so much of the world was a crapshoot before we could correct things like vision and hearing and make other accommodations. Like already we still have so much people getting filtered out for economic reasons. But yeah, it's basically well, if you don't have twenty twenty vision, uh right. your career is gonna be limited. <laughs> if you can't hear, oh geez, well hmm. um one one of the final thoughts I had is, and I didn't didn't know this until I was doing my research for this podcast, but this movie rescued Solari from obscurity. That like yeah. in the 19th and 20th century, he had been all but forgotten. Like there are still these stories of because I guess these are based on kind of contemporary or post slightly post contemporary like operas and plays based on this this fictionalized rivalry. Like the first account of this is like from the 1850s. Um, and that kind of gets passed, but like his work was never performed. No one cited him in any kind of canon. You know, they weren't, no one is making his operas, whereas Mozart, this movie sparked a huge interest in recovering his work. And probably like another 50, 100 years, most of these things would be gone, but a lot of people rescued and like he's still not super popular, but yeah. like his work is finding its ways in the movies. People are starting to perform his operas again. Uh, some of his symphonies are being played by pop uh, orchestras. Uh, it's kind of cool that this, you know, made him cool again, like him being the big villain and mm-hmm. the big shit of this movie. Uh, and this movie that kind of just like torches a fictionalized version, just burns him in effigy. Uh, it I unironically un- made his like prayer into this movie to like, I just want to be mem- remembered forever. I want that immortality. <laughs> this movie gave it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wonder. And it's like seems kind of enduring because I guess it's accelerating. Like, you know, we're 40 years past. We're coming up on the 40th inter- uh, anniversary of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought that was so fucking ironic and so hilarious that that this is what <laughs> this is what saved him from the mediocrities. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie, definitely not mediocre uh, by most people's judgments. Like you mentioned, it's on the AFI top 100, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty high up, too. It, was a critical success and a box office success. It was made 18 or cost 18 million to make made 90 million globally. And it won. 
in in 85 it won like eight oscars i think mm-hmm. um and it only didn't win nine probably because the two leads were nominated in the same category and they both couldn't win right so right. yeah it, it won for like all the things you would think it would win for like best costuming best uh makeup um art direction all that stuff and then it won for the best performance f Murray abraham beat out Holsey. um which yeah i don't know how i feel about that but best director best picture all that stuff mm-hmm. what are, why did they not run like decide which of you is the supporting which is the lead because it's like I, I almost think that murray was the lead and uh mm-hmm. Halsey is the supporting and I think they both would have won easily. I wonder yeah. what was the po- the politics behind, like, <laughs> it, was, it was like, hey, let's bank on the real life rivalry to, like, you know, reinforce the narrative. <laughs> this, the that, the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Because it is yeah. like, I do think that would have been a no brainer if they had just split that up and made one of them. I don't know. Maybe there's rules like maybe uh the way they were the way they were credited or how they were paid is like the you couldn't do that but i thought all that shit was political i don't know yeah i mean definitely i've seen shows be entered in strange categories like a comedy when you don't expect it to be or something like that sure so they probably yeah. could have got away with that but who who do you say you're gonna go to whole scene you're gonna tell him look i know you're in this movie for exactly two hours and 40 minutes of its two hour and 40 minute runtime <laughs> right, <laughs> we're right. not gonna tell we're gonna tell them you're a, a supporting actor no 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 i wonder who has the most screen time because i feel like solari with all of his like old man work where yeah. like he's just giving these monologues like he would clearly like have more minutes of screen time but maybe not but it's maybe like not. 10 10 minutes of the movie is that and the other two yeah. and a half hours is is both of them really it's both yeah. of them so yeah no it's it's a duet like it doesn't yeah. work and they both have their scenes where they're amazing um but i don't know i feel i feel like uh, murray's strongest work is in his old man stuff which i still think that makeup is pretty stagey um yeah i, I liked it I, I thought it worked for me yeah because he, he's like really but i again it's it's, it's kind of a stagey performance too Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I'd like both of their performances, but I felt like I, to me, it's, it's, it's tough because Murray's got the, the big scenes where he's old man, but like in all the stuff with Mozart, he's essentially reacting like Mozart is the lead, I think performance. Yeah. And he's like giving the reaction shots. He's the one like closing his eyes and getting the vapors and buckling at the knees and, <laughs> You know, uh-huh. uh, nostrils expanding and things like that, and and uh, Halsey is able to do the the, the lead work. But mm-hmm. what do, what do I know? I'm a I'm a bit of a philistine here. Same. Here. Uh, I just know I really I just really like this movie, and every time I watch it, I like it a little bit more. It gets funnier. There's just like some it, this feels like Patrick O'Brien humor, where like 15 minutes of setup will lead to like this extraordinarily funny thing happening. Um. And it only works with all that kind of, of setup. And then ultimately it turns into this, this, this tragedy and the relationship. Mm-hmm. I didn't, we didn't even say st- some of the stuff like, uh, like when I'm a, uh, when Wolfgang Mozart's father first shows up and he's like at the top of the stairs and he's in that black, like there's just so many great moments like that where like his father's entrance, um, his father's re- wearing that, ma- that goddamn mask, uh, Solari showing up and pretending to be the ghost of his father. 
there's just so much stuff that you, and it gets so gothic and, and psychological at the end. I think a lot of people would like it, but I also <laughs> understand that it's a long, you know, when I was in my early 20s, this movie was a, a long way to go for its charms. And for sure. now, now it's more of like, I appreciate the leisurely stroll for the truly spectacular vistas that, uh, that you get in this movie. Um, and it just keeps getting better the, the more I watch it. Well, all right, that will do it for Amadeus. Uh, hope you appreciated this uh, look at a very prestigious movie. Uh, we will be back with another prestige film next week or perhaps TV show, uh, regard, or depending on where we're at in the schedule. Um, thanks for listening to this one. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See y'all.